We're told in 1 John 2, 6, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Now, Jesus prayed for who? He prayed for his disciples and he prayed for all of us. He prayed for everyone in the world that they would come to know him. And he prayed specifically for those who did. So if Jesus did that and we had to do as Jesus did, if we actually claim to follow Jesus, then we must do as Jesus did, then surely we should be praying for those who are yet to be followers of Jesus. And how do we bless others through prayer? Well, we can bless fellow believers, but we also should seriously consider how we bless those outside of the kingdom. How do we pray for those outside of the kingdom? In, um, in James, we read, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And in 1 Timothy 2, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people. This is good and pleases God our Saviour who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And so uh, I think something we need to understand about prayer is that if we want to be involved in evangelism and seeing other people transformed uh, by Jesus and come into the kingdom of God, prayer is an absolutely essential element of that. And so often when we talk about evangelism, we had training on evangelism, it's all about method and technique and how you actually uh, manipulate relationships so you can tell somebody about Jesus or, or, or in a positive sense how you engage with people so that they can become followers of Jesus and very little is about praying for them. But prayer is an actual essential element of seeing people come to Jesus and we just pray for all, particularly in our circle of influence, the people we know. In Ephesians 6, we are told, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And then in Matthew 5:44, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So we're not only praying for those who are fellow believers or for the people who we're engaging in our circle of influence on a daily basis, that they will come to know Jesus and for their needs and for whatever else. But we're also to pray for those who stand against us, the ones who we would consider our enemies, the ones who want us do us harm. Now, I, I could quote many more verses, but I think there's a pretty strong imperative here in God's word that we are to pray for others. And in particular, we're to pray for those who are yet to be believers. So, well, that's all great, you know, and that's another gain. We've got some more Bible verses to apply in our life, but how do we do that? And I want this to be a very practical message today. How do you do this? How do you pray for others? How do you bless others through prayer? Well, I've been contemplating this for many years in my life and uh, as you know, I think most of you know, we lived in the States for, 20, for 10 years and uh, over there things are a bit different. And, and uh, when somebody says, let's get together for a meal, it doesn't mean you go to the house, you always go to a restaurant. There, there, it, it's just common to, common to go out there all the time. Food doesn't cost much when you go out to a restaurant. And one of the reasons is that people don't get paid a lot who are serving you. About $4 an hour and then they rely on tips. And so uh, we would go out to dinner all the time and I would meet people all the time. I'd meet fellow believers. I'd meet I'd, All over America I'd be going as well as all over the world, but certainly all over America meeting fellow believers, other people who are followers of Jesus talking to them about various things um, to do with youth ministry that I was involved in. 
Well, one time I was in a restaurant and, uh, and you know, when you go out in, in America, maybe not as much here, and you have a meal in a restaurant, which we did a lot, um, you know, if you're with other Christians, uh, you, you pray. You pray for the meal. And so one time I was sitting with this group and there was this lady serving us and, uh, and I said to her, because uh, I'm thinking, you know, they, what do these people? I was thinking, what do these people think when we pray? You know, we all bow heads and we pray. You know, these people are serving us. What do they think? And I said to this lady, you know what? Um, we're going to pray. We're Christians. We're going to pray for our meal. Is there anything you'd like us to pray for you about? And she sort of looks at us. Go, well, uh, well, well, no. And uh, I go, well, okay. Well, she goes off, and then she walks back, and she says, actually, there is something I'd like you to pray for. My son's. It'd been an accident and, uh, and he's not doing well. Could you pray for him? Sure, what's his name? She gives us his name. And so we bow. Oh, she's standing there. And we say, Lord, thanks for this meal. But we particularly pray for her you know, and her son and everything else. Um, and she says, oh, thank you for that. Anyway, she comes to service after a while. One of the guys who was sitting there says, you know what? I think our church could probably do something for her. And so he said, would you like, you know, I, I go to a local church here. Maybe we could help you out with that, you know. And she, he had some ideas. Well, I kept doing that. Um, and you know what? I did it so many times that I, I forgot how many times I did. I didn't do it all the time. But there wasn't one time, wasn't one time when the person serving us didn't say yes. Many times they went away and came back. Now, I think that's just the way that you can bless others through prayer. Now, it might not be appropriate here in Australia. It's a different environment, different culture. It's a very Christianised culture in America and it wasn't weird. It didn't weird people out when we did that. But it was something that we did and it made a difference in people's lives and it blessed them. Simple little thing. Well, I was trying to come up with a story that was Australian, you know. Um, but oh, just one more comment on that too. Um, uh, my, my daughter-in-law over there uh, worked in a restaurant for a while and, um, and she was just trying to get some extra money. And uh, she said, oh, you know, people hate Christians in the restaurant business, particularly those people who are servers. I said, what? Why? She said, well, whenever anybody comes and prays at the table, they're only going to get a lousy tip. Now, these people rely on the tips to actually survive. And the, and the Christians were notorious for giving them a lousy tip. Now, let me say this to you. If you're going to make some public identification, some public action that identifies you as a follower of Jesus, then guess what? Part of the kingdom is being generous. And you know, the expected tip was between 15 and 20%. You should give 25% if you're going to pray. I said that to a number of people. If you're going to pray, if we're going to pray, so they say, let's pray. I say, well, if we're going to pray, we're going to give 25% tip because we're meant to be known as generous people, as caring for others. These way, you know these serving staff don't get much at all. So let's not be known as the meanest people in the world. All right? If you're going to self-identify out there in the world, then think who you're representing and the values you're meant to be representing. Okay, so I'm trying to find a local story. Well, how can I explain this in the local context? Well, I do, uh, you know, I mentor and coach global leaders and national leaders, but I also still like to mentor and coach some young people. I've got this one young guy called Zach, 
Um, he's 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 uh, was studying at Monash University. Very bright guy. Um, but he was doing some ministry um, in the prisons and that with another organisation. Anyway, so um, I've been mentoring him for probably about 18 months or so. Well, Zach came in to see me on Thursday and uh, it was one of our sessions and I said, oh, how are you going, Zach? He said, well, you know, it's been a while since we caught up. I just want to bring you up to speed on some things. I've got some questions for you. And he said, I was, um, I was at this conference up in Queensland um, at... Uh, Oh, it's somewhere just out up north of Brisbane. And um, he said, so they were talking about, you know, going out and living for Jesus and everything. And I was reading that passage, you know, in, um, in uh, Matthew 10 and then in Luke 9, uh, sorry, Luke 10, Matthew 10, it's where Jesus sends out the 12 and he says, you go out, I'm going to send you out, don't take anything. Don't take any money, don't take any food, don't take any clothes. Just go out and just rely on, on, on God to provide for your needs and, and uh, live the kingdom. And then he sent, uh, in Luke 10, he sent out 72 with exactly the same sort of instructions. Go out, do this, you know, live for me, bless people. So he said, oh, I thought I'd try it. So uh, he took all his credit cards out of his wallet, gave somebody his money, didn't take any clothes or anything, and he just took off into Brisbane and uh, to see what would happen and with the idea that he was going to bless people. Well, he said, I said, well, how did that go, Zach? He said, well, my, for the first two days, my goodness, it was pretty hard. He said, you know what? I ended up dumpster diving. So I went behind the supermarkets trying to find food they were throwing out. I was so hungry. And then he said, I had to sleep out really rough. And I'm thinking, well, this is not really working. But he thought, oh, you know what, I think this is this whole Brisbane thing. I don't like Brisbane, I'm going to hitchhike somewhere. So he started hitchhiking south because he came from Melbourne. And he said, two hours I was trying <laughs> This guy finally in a tradie van pulled over and picks me up. I get in and uh, it's the middle of the day and, you know, we're just sort of chatting in. He's got, he's a pretty rough looking guy and that. But so I said to him, well, why, how come you aren't working? You know, it's the middle of the day. He says, oh, he says, I've got this horrible toothache and it's just killing me he said I'm, I'm driving down to I'm driving down to the to the, this medical clinic to see if they can do something for me because I just can't work and so Zach says can I pray for that <laughs> and the guy goes what he says yeah 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 can I pray he says well, sure and he says alright if I touch where it is on your face so he reaches over and touches on the face while this guy's driving and he says, Lord, Jesus? No, he just says Jesus, don't say Lord. He said, Jesus, um, I know you can heal this toothache. Did you heal it? And the guy goes, oh, what did you do to me? He said, oh, the pain's gone. What, what did you just do? He said, oh, no, it wasn't me, it was Jesus. And he had a really good conversation with him about Jesus. Anyway, dropped off. And, and well, they got to a service station. He's going to fill up with petrol. He's, he says, where do you want to be dropped off? He said, oh, somewhere south. And, um, and he's at the service station and this guy is hobbling across from his car to pay for, a, for his, filling his car with petrol. And uh, he goes over and he says, oh, I see you hobbling, mate. What's going on? He says, oh, it's really sore heels. I don't know what's going on. But every time I walk, it's like somebody's stabbing a knife into me. He says, oh, can I pray for you? And the guy goes, no. Were <laughs> you weird? He says, oh, can I just give it a go? You know, just one. Let me try just one. So the guy says, sure. So he, so he just sort of touched him and he said, Lord Jesus. So 
heal his, this guy's got a really sore heel can you heal that and the guy goes oh what did you do can you do the other one anyway so he prays for the other one and this guy just walks off so Zach says this I thought I'd sort of got this going you know and uh but he said no I prayed for some other people it didn't work and um and we were trying to wrestle why didn't it work sometimes and why did it work other times well I, I remember these verses and um, Matthew 9 5 it says which is easy to say when, when, the, when Jesus uh, was confronted with some people instead of healing them he said your sins are forgiven so then the Pharisees came along and said who are you to forgive sins only God can do that and he said well which is easy to say your sins are forgiven or say get up and walk and this is when he was talking to a lame bloke um, but I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins so he said to the paralysed man get up and take your mat and go home and the man got up and went home when the crowd saw this they were filled with awe and they praised God who had given such authority to man well I said Zach you know what what is the primary purpose for us introducing people to Jesus you know talking about Jesus praying for them he said oh so they will get to know Jesus I said well sometimes maybe healing them will help with that maybe healing them might not help with that and you really got to leave it up to Jesus but the primary purpose of all this is actually to introduce people to Jesus and bring them closer to Jesus and so it's not that you didn't pray right or that there's a magic formula that you've got to use or that you didn't have enough faith it's just that it wasn't right for that person that's all I can come up with he said oh, that sounds pretty reasonable um, now I said so is there anything else on your little trip he said well I got to Harvey Bay and um, and he said I was pretty hungry and I needed somewhere to sleep so he said I got on my phone and I looked I put in Google Harvey Bay Church and uh, it came up with this Presbyterian church I had a phone number I pushed the phone number and this, this lady answers and I say hey I, uh, I don't have anywhere to sleep tonight got no food is there anything you can do to help me and uh, she says sure we're having a potluck dinner at our church tonight why don't you come along so off he goes they were waiting for him this little group of old people and they invite him in and they just they, they said they just loved on him and they gave him all this food and he was so stuffed he didn't know how to eat anymore and then this old lady says I want you to come back to my house and stay with me tonight she was 80 years old single living she takes him back now he's, a, he's got long hair and usually walks in bare feet I mean looks interesting guy um, but she um, looks after him she, then she starts telling him a story how she'd lost her husband how she was really bitter about it she'd lost everybody in her life and, but then she realised that she still had herself and she had her house and she could bless other people so she was blessing you know, other people and she's, and she's thanking him for coming to her house so that she could bless this young guy and provide something for him that she had and it made her feel really good and so she said that's really thank you for doing that and he said it this is what Zach said it restored my faith in the church you know what how often do we think of our church as and our homes and, and everything we have as for other people and not for us so here's a church a little Presbyterian church of a bunch of old people and yet they blessed Zach well then um, two weeks ago I got an email from a friend down in Tasmania who's a pastor who's got this amazing outreach to uh, in, a, in it's called Tail Race Centre down in Launceston and so it's, it's a commercial play centre um, a big cafe and an entertainment centre and then they do church there as well so they 
they built this first that would house the church, but they didn't do it for the church, they did it for the community, and they're really engaged with the community. Anyway, he said, he wrote me this email. Some time ago, I contacted you to let you know that we were holding a discipleship workshop um, in March. Well, we had the workshop. With outstanding success, he said, 115 people from around the state came along. And one of the highlights is when Steve and Michelle Addison, some of you might know Steve Addison, uh, he had them there doing a bit of training, teaching, um, offered the opportunity for people to go out into the streets of Launceston and pray for people. The response, responses were amazing. In one hour, they only had one hour, in one hour, 22 teams went out. This is 115 people. When the 22 teams, 95 people were contacted, 43 were paid, prayed for, 12 received gospel presentations, 10 wanted to follow up, 10 wanted further follow up, and one came to faith. In one hour. And all they did out, all they did was went out to pray for people. All they did, they didn't have any plan, they didn't have special words they had to say, they just prayed for people. So, we can bless people by praying for them. We can bless them by praying for them with a view to evangelism, which is what Tim did. So, we have an opportunity, I believe, to pray for anybody who we come in contact with in our circle of influence. I've talked about that here before. So, who is our circle of influence? Anybody we have a relationship with. Anybody. And, um, and so, you know, think about the people that you come in contact with every day, the ones that you might see in the local shopping centre. And there's a, there's a lady I, you know, who I see regularly. Going to go and have coffee with people. You know, her name's Mick, and I know that. And uh, and it might be you know people you work with, or it could be people that you encounter um, in school or whatever. These are people. These are in the circle of influence. This church, this side would have a size would have a circle of influence. Probably at least a thousand. Could be three thousand, one thousand, three thousand people. Well, you have an opportunity to pray for them. Whenever you come across some need or a touch point where it might be appropriate, you can pray for them. Now. The thing is, how do you pray for somebody without scaring them silly? Well, first of all, don't make it weird. Don't use strange language. Don't bow your head. And, you know, um, it's, you're just talking to Jesus. I talk to Jesus all the time. I drive in the car, I'm talking to Jesus. And, and, and I talk to Jesus all the time. It should be like a natural conversation. Jesus is a person. As you would talk to your husband, wife, your kids, your friends, that's how you should be talking. So, um, so don't make it weird. Don't, don't use... Oh Lord in heaven You know they're going to be uh, So you don't need to All you need to have a conversation with them But with Jesus involved in that conversation Tell them what you're going to do So Zach said Look I'm just going to put my hand I'm going to put your hand on, on, on where your toothache is And I'm going to talk to Jesus about it Is that okay? And he goes well okay and So he told him what he was going to do And then make sure you identify the person you're talking to about this person. Say, Jesus, I'm going to talk to Jesus. I'm going to ask him to help you. It's that simple. She would have a conversation with anybody. And I can tell you now, it won't scare people. It won't weird them out. It's quite easy to do. Take some courage. So Zach had another conversation with somebody else. He came back from that little trip and, uh, and he was telling me, oh, well, I said, he said, well, I've got another thing. I've got another problem because he was wondering what happened when people didn't get healed. And then he said, well, there's this other guy. He said, it doesn't always work. Because, you know, because I said, well, surely it's to bring people closer to Jesus. And he said, well, I want to tell you about another experience I had. I had this friend, you know, just this couple, 
well, maybe a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months ago was was this year. Anyway, I've known him since high school and uh, secondary college now. Um, and uh, I was with him, and he said he's got this horrible chronic back pain. And I said to him, "Well, can I pray for you?" He said, "You what?" And he said, "No, I just want to pray for you." And he just said, he just laid his hands and said, uh, "Jesus, I'm going to talk to Jesus about it." You know, and he told him what he's going to do. Laid his hand on his back and said, "Jesus, can you can you heal my friend's back?" So anyway, he said, the "Guy said nothing." So I didn't think it worked. I wasn't going to ask him. He just sort of changed the subject. And so I go, oh, okay. Well, I met with him like about a month later and he said to him, how's your back going? He says, well, yeah, about that. He said, uh, you know, he said, well, what, you know, is it? he said, well, when you prayed for me, the pain went away. And he said, but I was so scared. And it, was, it freaked me out so much. I didn't even want to talk to you about it. And then I went off to the physiotherapy to see if it was just something quirky thing that happened. And they said there was nothing wrong with me anymore. And so, but I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so it's just too weird. You're weird. And I'm not going to talk about it. So Zach says, okay. He said, well, there, that didn't work. Prayed the guy got healed and it didn't bring him any closer to Jesus. I think he might have, Zach. I think it might have done that. I think you just need to wait, see what Jesus does in his life. So we don't know what the result of this is going to be. We don't. We live up to Jesus. We don't have to get discouraged because people don't go, oh, thank you, oh, Jesus, come into my life. Or they might go, oh, you know, or it didn't work, or whatever. Or you don't have to pray for people's healing either. You can pray for the whole situation that they're in, or anything. It doesn't have to be healed. And, you know, in our traditional church heritage, and I've been, I grew up in this church, we've always been a bit scared of the whole healing thing. Well, if, if that's okay. If that's, if that's not what you feel comfortable, that's okay. But you still pray for people. I don't think we're being scared of prayer in the Brethren Heritage Churches. We haven't been scared of praying for ourselves and having prayer meetings, and, but we're a little bit reluctant to pray for people in the context that we find in our daily lives. So, um, don't make it weird. Tell them what you're going to do. Make sure you talk to the person about who you're praying to. And then encourage people to pray themselves. All right, so uh, another experience. Um, our daughter Belinda and her husband uh, Justin are planning a church out of Baxter Marsh. And they had this um, family come to the mainly music group they've got, which is one of their feeder programs. And, uh, and this lady and, and her husband came. And they walk up to Belinda before the program started and the husband says, uh, I just want you to know that we're atheists and uh, we heard about this music program, everybody seems to like it, but I'm here to check out whether you're going to corrupt our daughter through your religious garbage. And uh, he, was, he, rode a, he was in a, a biker gang and he had tats and things sticking out in metal everywhere and uh, you know, he wasn't the sort of person that you'd want to actually get angry at you. Um, so Belinda says, sure, well, you know, you can stay and see what we do. And, and he did. And, uh, and his wife, Christy, was, you know, and their daughter was there and she enjoyed the program and everything. came up and he says, well, it was a little bit religious to those churchy songs that you did, but I think it'll be okay. They go, okay, good. Well, um, they kept coming. And, uh, and every time they sang the God songs and mainly music, because you don't always do God songs, but every time they sang the God songs, Christy would say to her daughter, now, you need to understand this is just stories, this is not true. 
She actually deliberately stopped after the song and told her that it wasn't true because they were so adamant that they were going to remain atheists that there was no God and I don't know what happened in their life that caused them to hate the church so much and hate God so much or would be so afraid of it but that's what she would do. Well then they started coming I can't remember the circumstances but Christy came to one of their their gatherings that they have on a Sunday afternoon where it's a whole lot more about faith and church it's not really churchy they don't do things like you would do in a traditional church but they certainly address the bible and the parents go and talk about jesus and the kids learn about principles of the kingdom and she started coming to that and then her husband started coming and helping out cooking the barbie doing other stuff anyway one day he comes to mainly music to drop the to, to actually be with the daughter because his wife couldn't be there and <clears throat> Belinda asks him how he's going. He says, oh, well, I, you know, I've lost my job and I'm trying to apply for another one. And Belinda just says to him, <clears throat> can I pray for that? And he goes, sure, that'd be good. So Belinda prays. Lord, oh, I can't remember his name. Help him get this job and everything. And there's this other lady standing next to her who isn't a believer, whose only connection is mainly music. <clears throat> she turns to this guy after Belinda prayed and says, you need to pray about that. So this is an unbeliever telling him what he's got to do. You should pray about it. Shouldn't have Belinda pray? Why don't you pray and ask God to do something about it? She's not even a believer. And he says, I just might do that. Now that's a big step you know, from where he was. And how did that come? Just rebuilding relationships, finding out what they need, and actually offering to pray for an atheist biker who was threatening to kill them if they converted their daughter. It's just simply engaging them through prayer. Now, another thing that we've got is called Try Praying. It's a little booklet. starts off saying you might not believe in God, but why don't you at least give prayer a go? And uh, if you've got people that you're encountering in your life and you don't know really, you know, it's a bit sort of dicey about praying for them and everything, well, you can say, well, yeah, have you tried praying about that? Give them this book and it tells them how to pray. And it's got a seven-week plan. Give it a go. These are available. We've got, I've got seven of them here. Um, but you can get them through Mainly Music. Mainly Music, this is an uh, English program. They've customised it to Australia. Mainly Music office, you can order them from Mainly Music. If that's what you wanted to use, if the little booklets have been very helpful for us in our movement, you could use that as well. Okay. Provide opportunities for people to share prayer needs. I'm going to finish with this. Um, we, we have a lot of play groups uh, and a lot of mainly music groups now starting to um, emerge in our movement and one of the, I was reading the story of one of those mainly music groups, not even sure where I shared this before here but this mainly music group thought they wanted to pray for their people and so they didn't know how to introduce that so they got this big teapot and they painted all with colours and then they put it at the front of the room this great big teapot and they said you know what, we as a team, we get together and we pray for you every week but you might have something specific you want us to pray about. So if you do, write it on a bit of paper and stick it in the prayer teapot. This is the prayer teapot. So they have this prayer teapot at every mainly music group meeting they have. And um, anyway, they started getting all these things written on there and they pray. But these people, was just a simple little thing. Prayer teapot. And so provide opportunities for people to share prayer needs in a secure and safe way. And they pray for people. 
But then lastly, you know, when you do that, um, you might end up being coming the answer to the prayer. So as you read the thing, you find out about the needs and then you turn up with a meal or you do something else, you know, and you check on these people. And, you know, when they said about these prayer teapot, look, you don't need to put your name on it, we'll just pray. But if you want to put your name on it, that's great because then we can check on you to see how you're getting on with that. And then a lot of people wrote their name on it and they check on them. They call them up and say, just checking, we've been praying, how's it going? Has God done something, you know, whatever, turn up with a meal, whatever. Be the answer to your prayers. As you go and ask people what they want to be prayed for, then you'll find there are needs that you can meet. There are things that you can do. Oh, Lord, please help that person. They haven't got any food. <laughs> That's the first thing James about that. <laughs> What's the use of praying for somebody and then knowing anything about their need? You know, sometimes we use prayer as a safe way to touch people's lives without getting involved. And I don't think that's what prayer's about. All right. I think I better close in prayer. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you uh, for the gift of prayer to us and thank you that you have called us to pray. Help us to be aware of ways in which we can pray for those who are yet to know you in particular. Lord, make us aware of the opportunities in our life that um, that you bring every day and help us not to miss those and Lord help us not to be afraid to pray for people because you can transform lives we know that, we experience it and we need to share that with others we pray this in your name Jesus, Amen